Welcome back. You're listening to the Sis You're Doing Okay podcast. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is episode 53. Hey, sis. I'm so glad to have you back here in this space with me me and you, we're going to learn some things together today. Um, This episode is going to be about burnout versus depression. And I'm going to be entirely honest with you. This particular episode was really challenging for me. Um, And I was trying to figure out why. And as I thought about it, I realized the reason why I was struggling with this um, particular subject is because for a long time, I lived with the combo of burnout and depression and had no idea. I just knew I felt horrible all the time. Um, All of the symptoms that I list in this episode, I lived with them and I I just didn't know, right? So it's really an honor and a privilege to be able to share this information with you if you've never heard it before. I really hope that it helps to bring awareness to maybe the situation that you're living in or uh, a situ- the situation of somebody close to you uh, that they may be living in. Uh, living through depression and burnout is not an easy feat. Um, and I really wish I had this information available to me. So it is my mission to pay it forward. I really do hope that this episode is encouraging, enlightening, and helps to bring awareness to areas that maybe you weren't aware of. Before we get started, though, I want to ask, have you ever considered leaving a review for the podcast? Um, If not, let's try today. How about today? I would love it if you would leave a five-star rating, first and foremost, and a review about this podcast telling me why you love it, why you listen, what brings you back every week, how you found it, and how it's helping you or encouraging you. The reason why I ask for this small favor is because by doing those two things, you really help the sister doing okay message get out into these podcast streets, therefore making it available to a wider audience and the encouragement that you get to enjoy every week, you are sharing it with more and more people just by leaving a five-star rating or a review. So if you've never done that, let today be the day. If you're listening from Apple Podcasts, there is a review uh, option. If you're listening from any other podcast platform, you can just go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, maybe subscribe to the show. (laughs) Anyway, without any further delay, let's get into this topic. So let's start this discussion about depression versus burnout. But before we get deep, deep into it, I want to give this disclaimer. The information that I'm sharing with you in this episode and any supporting material that will appear on the Sister Doing Okay website are for informational and educational purposes only. There is never a time when this content is intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
I want to encourage you to always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions that you have regarding your condition or what you may suspect as being your condition. I also want to encourage you to never disregard professional advice or delay seeking it because of something that you hear on this podcast or read on my website. Everything I'm sharing with you is from personal experience and personal research. And therefore, I just want to bring awareness to these subject matters, but I cannot officially diagnose and neither can you, okay? Self-diagnosing is not a thing, okay? Please see a professional who can help you with the next steps. All right. So the next step for this particular uh, conversation is to define what depression is. According to SciComm.net, depression, otherwise known as a major depressive disorder or clinical depression, is a common and serious mood disorder. Those who suffer from depression experience persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness and a loss of interest in activities that they once enjoyed. Aside from the emotional issues that are caused by depression, individuals can also present with physical symptoms such as chronic pain or digestive issues. To be diagnosed with depression, your symptoms need to be present every single day for at least two weeks. And I think it's really important that I take a minute to pause here and say that sadness and depression are two different things. Depression is a persistent sadness, whereas like low-grade sadness, that's something everybody experiences, uh, and it tends to be more situational. It's not constant. The main identifier of depression is its constancy and persistence, regardless of situations and circumstances changing. Now, the symptoms and signs of depression, they include, but are not limited to, like I mentioned, persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, worthlessness and emptiness. Uh, when you're experiencing these symptoms, you generally feel down most of the time. You're going to also experience a loss of interest in activities. This is even stuff that you really loved doing. It's like you lose motivation or just have a total sense of disinterest. Then there are uh, sleep trouble, uh, falling asleep or staying asleep. Um, and then getting out of bed is a challenge. And now the getting out of bed that I'm referring to is not that, oh, I don't feel like getting up when my alarm goes off and hit the snooze button because my bed's way warmer than anything that's outside of my bed at the moment. No, it's more of a feeling of there's like a heavy weight on your body and you have to exert effort to lift your body up out of bed. That's the trouble getting out of bed that people with depression experience. The next symptom is weight or appetite changes. You may be overeating. You may lose your appetite completely. You may um, gain weight. You may lose weight. And sometimes people who are, um, are dealing with symptoms of depression will um, find temporary reprieve from their symptoms by eating you know, sweet foods or starchy foods. And because the feeling is, is like a quick fix, they will tend to make an association that, oh, this food makes me feel good and keep on eating it. And that's how we end up with the weight gain and the overeating, right? Or conversely, you may just lose your appetite completely. I know that when I'm in my depressive moments that I have no desire for food at all. 
All right, another symptom is fatigue or decreased energy. This is the feeling of being exhausted all the time. Like the thought of spending days and days on the couch or in your bed is like a dream. You just don't want to move. You literally can turn into a vegetable, a rock covered with moss, and you would be perfectly fine with that. Um, the next symptom we're going to talk about is difficulty thinking clearly or quickly. Uh, you will have difficulty recalling details or concentrating or even making decisions because you just feel distracted and focusing seems completely impossible. Okay. The next one is irritability, frustration, or pessimism. Like you're just basically negative most of the time. There's just, there's no happiness. There's no positivity. It's just bleh, right? Um, the next thing is physical aches and pains. You may have headaches, stomach aches, or neck tension. Um, for me, one of the key times that I notice that things are starting to spiral downward is my neck gets so tense. Um, and I get a headache that lasts for like three to four days straight. So those are some of my symptoms. And this is the most, uh, identifiable symptom that differentiates, um, burnout from depression. Depression, you're going to, uh, more than likely have recurrent thoughts of death or suicide with or without a plan to actually do it. And this is where I'm going to also now take another stop and say, if you or somebody that you know needs help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. And if you are in Canada, the Canada Suicide Prevention Service number is 833-456-4566. By calling either one of these numbers, you will be in contact with a skilled and trained counselor at a crisis center in your area, and you can call at any time. If you are located outside of North America, please be sure to call your local emergency line immediately. I think it's also good to note that depression expresses itself differently in men and women. So typically women are more likely to ruminate and rumination is just a constant worry, dwelling on things, rehashing negative feelings, conversations, negative interactions, replaying negative things in your head. Uh, this can start to look like or sound like negative self-talk, sudden crying spells, feelings of guilt, or blaming yourself for literally everything in your world. You feel like you're the cause of it going wrong. Okay. Women are also more likely to have depression at the same time as an anxiety disorder, such as a panic disorder. You may even have it alongside with eating disorders or obsessive compulsive behavior. Now, in men, uh, depression is more likely to show up as signs of irritability, anger, and apathy. Uh, they will engage heavily in escapist behaviors, like spending more time at work, going to the bar after work, um, staring at a screen, like blankly almost after a day of uh, activity, or just staring into space. It's kind of like a dissociation. They just kind of look blank. Um, or they may engage in reckless behavior like misusing alcohol or other substances and sometimes even reckless driving. 
Um, so hearing all of these things, I think the next question to ask is how do I help someone with depression? If you are seeing or hearing these symptoms and maybe not you, but you recognize that somebody that you know is possibly living with this condition, uh, the answer to the question of how you help, there is no one single way to help somebody with depression, but there are a few things across the board that will be supportive to this individual. The first thing is, if you are in a place or type of relationship where you can encourage treatment, please do so, but gently. Um, because when somebody is in a depressive episode, everything feels heavy. Everything feels like a judgment. Everything feels wrong. Everything feels like a disaster. So encouraging treatment can also feel like an offense. So please, when you are encouraging, seeking help, don't be like, you need to go see your doctor. Why don't you just snap out of this? Call somebody. No, those are not the way, that's not the tone. Those are not the words. Just a gentle encouragement. Hey, I'm worried about you. Um, you've been, you know, in your room for like three days straight. Is everything okay? You know, is, is there anybody I can call for you? That, that's more the tone that you're going for, right? The next thing you want to do is listen with compassion because, uh, it's very frustrating, um, for an outside observer sometimes to see a loved one in a state of depression. Um, it, it can feel like, you know, we just want everybody in our lives to be well, right? The people that we love, we want to see them better. We want to see them alive and, and bright again. Um, and when you are in the cloud of depression, it's dark, it's low, and it's hard to watch and sometimes hard to understand. And so our natural tendency is to want to fix things, right? We're going to want to offer suggestions. Why don't you try this? Why don't you do this? You know what you should do? This is what, no. And when they're, when, when a depressed person is talking to you, sometimes the things that they say from a rational standpoint, just don't make any kind of sense. All right. But in this moment, that's not when you try to tell them, girl, what are you talking about? Do you even hear yourself? No, no, no. You just want to listen with compassion, without judgment, say things like, I hear you. I don't understand how you feel, but I'm hearing what you're saying. And, and I, I'm okay with just being here with you. Okay. That's again, the tone that we're going for. The next thing you can do in a more practical sense is help that person with their daily tasks. If that's cleaning up the house, if they have kids, taking the kids for a bit, um, getting meals prepared for them or delivered to them, that kind of stuff. Meeting practical needs is definitely very helpful. And because suicide is a feature for most people who are struggling with depression, as I mentioned before, some may have a plan, some may not have a plan, but for those who do have a plan, you've got to watch them. You need to be vigilant for signs of suicidal behavior. And because all of this that I'm I'm suggesting as ways of supporting can be taxing emotionally and physically. If you are supporting somebody with depression, you make sure that you are taking care of yourself as well. All right. So, um, that is the part about burnout. I mean, sorry, that's the part about depression. Now for the sake of comparison, we're going to go over the burnout symptoms. Okay. So burnout symptoms 
are going to vary uh, depending on what phase of burnout you're in. Uh, Last week, I talked about the three types of burnout and the five stages in episode 52. Um, So if you haven't listened to that, you can listen to that just to get some more context. But for the sake of recap, I'm going to share the symptoms here. The symptoms are generally physical, emotional, or behavioral. And the physical symptoms will include things like feeling tired, having difficulty sleeping, experiencing change in appetite, dealing with headaches or muscle pain. Do you hear there's some similarities already? Emotional symptoms will look like lacking motivation, experiencing feelings of self-doubt, failure or loneliness, overall feelings of dissatisfaction. Um, And then the behavioral symptoms are going to be social isolation, not performing your responsibilities, uh, work-related outbursts. So we need to be careful not to confuse burnout with being stressed out. In episode 51, I did a side-by-side comparison of the two conditions. I also made an post on Instagram. Uh, if you are on Instagram and you'd like to follow me, you can find me at sis, you're doing okay. And, um, If you visit my page, make sure you hit that follow button and then you can scroll down to my feed and then there is a post about the side-by-side comparison of stressed out and burned out. It's a brown and pink graphic. So you can take a look at that. Um, Stress though is generally having too much on your plate. So that's too much work, too much to handle, too many responsibilities, too many hours spent working. Well, burnout is the opposite. It's typically a feeling of not having enough. So you don't have enough motivation. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough care. And the same can be said for misinterpreting depression for burnout. Certain depression-related symptoms, such as exhaustion and difficulty performing tasks, can masquerade as burnout. In most cases, though, burnout is a work-related, task-related situation, while depression impacts every part of your life with persistent feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness, and helplessness that are generally unprovoked and like a general overarching theme. Whereas burnout is more of something that is related to a task or a responsibility or work All right. So burnout can escalate into depression. And like I said in the intro, I lived with the combo of burnout, depression, burnout slash depression. Um, But not everyone who is burnt out is depressed and not everyone who is depressed is burnt out. So let's start talking about how we can recover from burnout. It probably just sounds, if you're burnt out, it it probably sounds very stressful right now to even think about the possibility of doing anything to recover from the state that you're in. But the good news is that you can actually come back from this. You can actually get to a place where you enjoy life and enjoy your work again. But for starters, you have to confront the fact that you might be dealing with burnout. You need to be honest with yourself. You need to recognize the symptoms of burnout. And it will be difficult to move forward from this point if you cannot see the problem yourself. People may be telling you about it. Girl, you look, you know, you're a little fried, a little crispy around the edges, a little, you know, a little, a little more irritable than usual. But unless you see it for yourself, you're not going to take the steps that you need to move out of this particular state of existence. So if your burnout is work-related, make an effort to talk to your superiors, talk to your boss, talk to your manager, talk to HR, 
Okay. Let them know about your struggles. They may suggest that you take some time off and recharge. That would be best case scenario. But if is if this isn't offered, then you take you take your time. Okay. You say I'm gonna need a couple of days. Okay. Take a personal day. Step back from the situation. Reassess and maybe even consider taking a vacation to unwind. Okay. Um, and if that is available as an option before you returned, make sure that you have some ways to cope with your job and your work-life balance, okay? It's important that you prioritize self-care and schedule time for yourself. This can be as simple as taking breaks. Just get up from your desk, walk over to the water cooler for a bit, maybe just stare out of a window, uh, go to your car for a minute, even if you don't need to, just just move your body, change your location and take your mind off of things because these frequent breaks throughout the day really help you to decompress. Uh, at lunchtime, maybe just go for a walk. And in stressful moments, it may also be helpful to practice breathing techniques to lower your stress. Now, while at work, you need to know your limitations. The thing about burnout is it usually happens, especially in the honeymoon phase where you're likely to say yes to everything because you're trying to show yourself approved. You're showcasing all of your skills. You want your boss to value you, but this can be dangerous. Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself literally drowning in too many yeses. Okay. To solve this problem, don't be afraid to say no. Okay. When you know your limitations and you set a schedule for yourself, It gives you things to make yourself accountable to. In today's work from home life, (laughs) it's easy to become a little too flexible with your work hours and you start responding to emails and texts way after working hours and you start answering phone calls at night, which may initially seem harmless, but guess what? That may send out the signals that, hey, sister friend is available at all hours and all of a sudden all your off time becomes everybody else's time and that is problematic if you are struggling from burnout and are unsure where to turn ask your doctor to refer you to a mental health provider who will be able to identify the things that you may be dealing with now if it's depression you're definitely going to need a doctor i'm going to help you out I'm going to put in the description box a link to a three-minute depression test, okay? And that way you get some information on what you're working with, okay? And if after the depression test is not really depression, it might be burnout, then you can also consider hiring a coach, okay? But if it's depression, you definitely need to see a mental health provider. They can help you develop some coping strategies to find a happy place in your work and your life outside of work. But today I'm giving you the extra bonus of sharing some strategies right here, right now on how you can recover from burnout. So I'm going to be sharing, there's about three, three of them, and they all have about two to three subcategories. So get ready. Now, if you are somewhere where you can't take notes, that's fine. I'm going to have all this information up for you to read on my website in the blog section. So make sure that you check there for a list of all of the strategies I'm about to share with you now.
to suggest is to create a time assessment map. Now you're gonna to need to invest at least a week of focused assessment of how you're spending your time. This will help you to see on paper or on your screen or in a spreadsheet how your days are being filled. Then you're going to look at each activity and give it a rating from one to 10. And now one is meaning that this particular activity leaves you feeling angry and drained. And 10 is going to mean that this activity is brings joy and makes me feel energized, right? And when you have this visual representation of the things that are boosting you and filling your cup or sucking you dry, you can decide where you're going to give your energy. You can decide that you will give more energy to the things that fill you up. If it's possible, reduce your exposure to the things that are leaving you drained. And if the things that are draining you are non-negotiables, like you got bills to pay, you have to go to work. If that's not an option, then you will need to create a backup plan for how you're going to replenish yourself after the exposure to this draining part of your day. Now, if this feels entirely too large of an undertaking and the thought of having to do just one more thing is exhausting because you already crispy, you already burnt out, guess what? I am here to help. I help clients by giving them tools that they need to set healthy boundaries, define what self-care and success looks like for you. As we work together, you will learn how to show up for yourself and for the people that you love and at the job, right? As well as you will learn how to be aware when you've blown past your personal limitations. And we can work together to create a personalized self-care plan time assessment maps like what I just mentioned, and so much more. So if you need support and you are ready to take the first steps towards personal success and seeing your way out of burnout or avoiding a major breakdown completely, please visit my website, www.sisyourdoingokay.com and book a call so that we can discuss how I can best support you in this journey towards burnout recovery and personal success. All right, that website again is www.sisterdoingok.com and book your call soon. So the next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna need to turn to your people, okay? Because uh, recovering from burnout is not something that you're gonna be able to do on your own. It literally takes a village, a tribe, a community. Because when you're burnt out, everything is hard. Everything is overwhelming. And it can be difficult to stir up enough energy to take care of yourself, much less take care of the things that all the rest of life is requiring of you, am I right? So make sure that you reach out to your closest people. If that's your spouse, do that. If that's friends, family members, a really good girlfriend, okay? Like I have this one girlfriend, literally love her to pieces. And if she's listening, she knows exactly who I'm talking about. There was one time in my life where I was like, I was done, done. I was like, I, if, if I can't leave this house and go somewhere, I'm just going to sit in my closet and be mad. Um, she said, girl, you need a break. 
All right. And she paid for a weekend getaway at a hotel. These are the type of friends that I'm talking about. These are the people, find one or two people that you can trust and you feel comfortable sharing your struggles with those people that really get you. You don't have to say much. You don't have to go into too much detail. They just could kind of hear it in your voice or just based on the few words that you may share, they could say, yeah, you need a break. Okay. Because sometimes your burnout symptoms can actually, sometimes your burnout symptoms can be alleviated simply by spending some dedicated, unchallenging time with some or a few someones that you love and trust. People who will make you laugh, people who will pray for you, pray with you, and help you take your mind off of the things that may be burning you out to begin with. Now, conversely, limit your contact with them negative Nellies in your life. Now, first I wanna say sorry if your name is Nelly, no shade. I'm really just here for the alliteration. Um, but right now, you don't need that type of negativity in your life. People who are pessimistic are generally going to drag you downward rather than push you up and pull you out of this burnout pit. If there's that one coworker who always has a rain cloud over their head, avoid that person as much as possible. You need some people who are going to be motivating, inspiring, and encouraging, and being positive, all right? So you want to connect with the community. Community is the key. Um, Also, this may sound a little bit counterintuitive if you're already burnt out, but if you uh, take some time to serve your community or serve something uh, meaningful or like be a support to somebody else, the it's like instant medicine. Doing something kind for somebody else automatically boosts our emotional and energy levels. So, I mean, I know if you're burnt out all the way burnt out, like thinking of doing anything besides, you know, sitting still um, and staring into space may sound challenging, but I want to encourage you. When we take our eyes off of ourself and give our energy to something other than just being sad. It's amazing how how invigorating that can be. So I would encourage encourage you if that's, you know, serving in a ministry at your church or some type of community organization or outreach. All of these things are really helpful for taking your mind off of the source of stress and putting it onto something that is going to help you feel a little less bummed out. (laughs) Okay. So the next thing I want you to do is recheck your priorities. Okay. Try to discover what really makes you feel satisfied at peace and filled up. What is actually important to you? Take some time and slow down and give yourself time to rest. If that isn't something that you are intentionally practicing right now, listen, running on empty isn't healthy. It's not safe and it's not even productive. So here are some things that you can do to help recheck your priorities. Number one, set some boundaries. That's going to be time boundaries, emotional boundaries, space proximity boundaries, access boundaries. Don't be in a hurry to respond to messages or phone calls or emails. Maybe respond in batches when it comes to access and time boundaries. You can train people on how you're going to respond, right? So if you uh, decide that, you know what, 
as a part of my self-care uh, boundaries here, I'm only going to respond to messages or answer phone calls unless urgent at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock and three o'clock. We, at first people are going to be like, uh, you okay, everything okay? But as you continue to stick to this routine, people will begin to know, oh, if I'm trying to get in touch with, uh, sis over here, she's not answering, uh, she's not answering till nine. She's not answering till 12. She's not answering till three. And some people may be irked by it to begin with, but eventually they will get it, right? So. Like I said, you don't want your time to be everybody else's time. So make sure that you make time for yourself to meet some of your needs so that you can continue to meet the needs of the people who need you, right? That's the point of self-care. Self-care is never meant to be selfish. It's never meant to be just for you. The reason why we take care of ourselves is because there are people who are waiting for us. There are people who need us. There are people who are counting on us. But in order for us to be a productive part of this community effort of, of whatever is going on, we have to take care of ourselves too, right? Another thing, practice saying no to commitments that immediately feel draining. Like, you know, there's sometimes people will ask you things and as soon as the sentence is finished, you're just like, Ugh, I, don't, I don't want to, <laughs> right? You know that feeling, right? And sometimes we just say yes because we don't want to be perceived as not nice or selfish. But the fact of the matter is if you're overextending yourself, you're not being nice to yourself. Sometimes a simple no thank you or I'd love to, but I can't this time is the kindest response that you can give to an invitation or a request. I tell my kids this often. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else, right? So be careful with your yeses. Lately, I've been practicing something I call the slow yes. So I make it my goal to be able to say yes eventually because I want to. I want to say yes, but I have to restrain myself from feeling like I have to say yes right away. So my slow yes sounds something like this. I'd like to. I just need a little more time to make sure that I can really say yes to this. Or thank you for considering me. Um, how quickly do you need a response? Or you can say something like, I need a few hours, a couple minutes, maybe a day. Uh, just this is depending on the request, of course. Let me check my schedule. I'll get back to you by an X, Y date, like a specific date. And finally, you can say something like this. I can't this time. But please don't hesitate to ask me the next time something like this comes up. This week just as this week or this moment or this time is just really not the best time for me. But I I would love to participate in something like this in the future, right? That way you give yourself the opportunity to say yes, but on your time frame, right? And it doesn't sound rude. You're not being aggressive. You're not being disrespectful. You're being kind. You're being quote unquote nice, but you're also honoring your own boundaries. The next thing is, especially for us ladies who are recovering people pleasers or who have experienced various types of trauma or abuse uh, because we tend to just want to make people happy just so that we can keep ourselves safe, we have a knee-jerk yes response to requests because we don't, sometimes we don't know how to stand up for ourselves. I'm just, I'm saying that me first because that's where I was and literally have learned just in recent years how to be able to stand up for myself because we feel like when we stand up for ourselves, we're hurting someone else. But I want to encourage you, especially if you're burnt out, if you've said yes to too many commitments, that again is, is hurting someone. It may not be the person who's asking, but it is 
that someone that's being hurt is you. I shared a quote on my Instagram a couple weeks ago. It said, when we say yes for the sake of keeping peace, we start a war on the inside. So please, my dear sister, I am giving you the go ahead. Say no if yes doesn't feel right. If the yes that you're going to say right now doesn't feel like it's going to lead to peace, please say no. God gives peace. He's not a God of fear. He's not a a God of confusion. So please say no if you need to, but also make it your goal to be able to say yes. All right. So guess what? That's all I got for you today. Um, But let's just do a quick recap. We talked about depression. We talked about the symptoms of depression. We talked about how men and women experience depression differently. Uh, I gave you some signs and symptoms to be looking out for. I told you about a test that I'm going to be putting in the description box, a three minute test to see if depression is what you're dealing with. Um, I also said that generally we don't recover from burnout by ourselves and we need support. When you are burnt out, it's important to re-evaluate your priorities, set boundaries. We need to move our bodies too. I didn't say that part, but moving our bodies and giving to things outside of ourselves is also very helpful in this recovery journey out of burnout. Stay hydrated, okay? Drink your water, mind your business. Our brain, I say this to my kids sometimes uh, when they're starting to act a little, you know, off uh, during school time. I said, is your brain dry? You need to drink some water. Make it your goal to drink water at least once every hour. I'm not saying drink eight gallons. I'm not saying drink a tub, a bathtub full of water in a day. All I'm saying is be intentional to drink at least some water once every hour. Okay. That's your baby step. Start there. Also, it helps to consume energizing foods and practice self-care. Burnout is a big thing, and it isn't always caused by our jobs. The chronic stress that causes burnout can be brought on by, you're not going to be surprised when I say this, parenting. I know you're not surprised because, listen, if you are a mom, you know that burnout is definitely a thing. And I'm going to tell you that time of life when I was um, experiencing the combo of burnout and depression was a time when uh, all of my kids were little. They all needed me to meet all of basically all of their needs, potty training, feeding, pureeing food, putting kids to sleep, nursing. Um, And I was doing this all by myself because my husband was traveling Um, then I had the unresolved issues from my past, which was feeding into my depression. There was so much going on, right? Parenting ain't easy. Okay. And parenting isn't easy when you're burnt out. I'm, can the church say amen? Because we all know that. Another thing that I found out, and I'm not going into a new topic altogether. I just wanted to share some of the different ways that we can experience burnout. Did you know that you can have a relationship burnout? Like I was thinking this might be a thing, but then as I was researching, I found out that that is actually a thing. So romantic or non-romantic relationship burnout is definitely a possibility. Um, And it will show up just the same, basically the same symptoms that I described about burnout is how it's going to show up in your relationship. And then the next thing that could cause burnout is non-professional caregiving. That's if you're caring for an aging or ailing parent. That's if you're caring for a sick child. Anytime that you have to be giving care that is not a part of your professional repertoire, that can lead to burnout. Basically, anytime we are experiencing 
endless exhaustion, uh, feel overwhelmed by our responsibilities, or believe that we have failed at our role, we are susceptible to getting burnt out. Now, I know I shared a lot of information today, okay? I know I did. Um, If you need to listen to this twice, please go by all means and maybe put it on half speed because sometimes I I know I was talking a little fast. Anyway, but all of this information that I shared was not in any way meant to oversimplify these particular conditions. It takes time to get to a place of burnout. It really is a gradual and slow build, right? But just as slowly as it took to get into that state, it's going to be a gradual and intentional journey back to well-being as well. We can get burned out because we have the best of intentions. We want to do our best. We want to show up and kill it every time, right? We want to slay all day. But sometimes our skills and our abilities don't match the demands. Sometimes we can get super bored. I said that last week. Sometimes you just have no choice but to endure, right? However you ended up at burnout or near to it, I just want to remind you that if this is where you are, this too can pass. And with the right support and strategies, you can start heading back to a place of wellness and joy again. And I really want that for you, sis. So um, that's all I got for you. This is really it. This is the end of my solo adventure into the uh, topic of burnout. Next week, I'll be talking to a lovely lady. Her name is Marissa, and she will be sharing her experience with leadership burnout. The conversation is super honest, very inviting, very easy. Like I was, this was the first time I actually spoke to Marissa in like real life. And I say real life with air quotes because it was a Zoom call. Super easy to talk to. Um, You will definitely get some insights from her. Um, So make sure you come back next week for the conclusion of the burnout series and the interview with Marissa. Until then, I want to remind you that yes, life gets hard. Yes, it gets dark. Sometimes we get burnt out, right? But In all of this, the option to quit is never available, okay? If you need a rest, please put yourself on a bench, sit in a corner somewhere and take the rest that you need, but rest with the intention of getting back in the game. You know why? Because if you do that, one day you will look back on this time and marvel at how far you have come, how much you have grown through it. So it might not feel like it right now, but sis, you're doing okay.